Okay, the topic we're going to deal with is going to be a two-parter, and it's going to take us pretty much to the end of Eruvin. In two weeks, we're going to have an introductory shir to Psachim um, on the topic of B'dikar Chametz. <clears throat> but for uh, for today and next week, we're going to deal with the issue of Tefillin B'Shabbat. Uh, and the reason for that is because of source number, where is it? Source number uh, seven, which is the first Mishnah in the last parak. Now, the truth is the last parak opens up a door for a lot of really wonderful stuff, uh, as everything in Shas, of course, does. And that is, uh, it uh, it deals with Shvut Bamikdash, the whole issue of a Shvut, why it is that in the Mikdash you don't have the prohibition of Shvut, uh, why it is that, for instance, if a Levi was playing his instrument and a, uh, one of the, one of the uh, strings of the instrument got cut, that he could tie it, uh, in what kind of tie he could use, it's a tying to Rabbanan, in order to reestablish the, the instrument, sort of, um, uh, in the Mikdash, but not in the Medina, a whole list of things that we allow. But we're going we're gonna to focus on this because Tefillin Shabbat is both speaks to two different topics that are obviously very uh, common for us, which is Tefillin and Shabbat, and allows us to, to go back to sources uh, in a way that the other topics wouldn't. Uh, and uh, what I mean by go back to sources is to go back to Tanakh uh, and see Midrash Halakha at work and comment on that a little bit. So um, I'm not sure if we'll make it all the way through all of these sources today. We rarely do, but that's part of our fun. Uh, and we start with Mikrot. We start with Sukim in Tanakh. Uh, the first uh, section that we have uh, in source one is from the Parsha that we refer to as Parshat Kadesh. It is um, for uh, those of us men here. Uh, it is the first parasha uh, in our tefillin. Um, according to all she told, it's the first parasha in tefillin. It's the earliest place that tefillin is mentioned in the Torah. By the way, it's true for Marsha that it is the first parasha in tefillin. I just suspect that she doesn't own a pair. Um, so uh, in that parasha, and this is where some of the confusion sets in, the Torah introduces it, Kadesh di in uh, the mitzvah of Kiddush Bechorot, of sanctifying the Bechorot, and then we get to this passage. So God says, today that you are leaving in uh, the month of Aviv. When, you, when God brings you to the land, all the nations, uh, you shall perform this worship in this month. Now, it's quite clear that the context of this worship is Korban Pesach. And that has been the topic really throughout Perak Yodbet, uh, which is a uh, an oscillates between command and narrative. But the focal point of all of it is Korban HaPesach. And the point here is that when you come to the land, you're going to do Korban Pesach again, which if you think about it, is quite an innovative statement. It's not so obvious, because you would think that Korban HaPesach was to be something that should happen one time in history. And that is there's one night in history when all the Bukharot are going to be killed. And so therefore there is that one night in history when you need to be protected by creating a sanctuary in your homes uh, so that the Malach HaMavet doesn't uh, come in, the Malach HaMashchit doesn't come in, and that should be it. There's no real reason to commemorate it again. Uh, and then we're told, Shivat Yamim Tocha Matzot, so for seven days is Matzot, 
And uh, the seventh day is also a Chag. Matzot yachel eight shivat yamim v'leiraelacha chametz v'leirachal l'chosor v'chol v'lecha. And here we hear the prohibition of Bal of not having chametz or soor be visible, as it were. We're going to talk about this a lot in the beginning of Pesachim. And then, And the mitzvah of Haggadah. Okay. And up until now, everything's very clear with all of the unclarity that every pasuk in the Torah kind of carries with it. So this should be for a sign on your hand and for commemoration between your eyes, which, by the way, if we only had this pasuk, we would assume that on our hand and between our eyes, we're supposed to put some mention of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which, of course, doesn't exist in Parsha Kriyat Shema. doesn't exist here. Right, so the Torah of Hashem should be in your mouth, that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim with a strong hand. Very nice. And here is the Pasuk that we're going, everything's going to revolve around. And you shall keep this chukah, this law, in its time, miyamim yamima. Now, yamim yamima is a Tanakh idiom, which means year to year. We have several examples of where that phrase shows up that way. For instance, the four-day festival that all the girls used to have for Yiftach's daughter was miyamim yamima. Uh, Elkanah would go to Shiloh, miyamim yamima. Right, so that means every year, once a year. There are several other examples of that in Tanakh. So it sounds like this pasuk is cleaning up about the kind of bringing the tying together or summarizing about the Korban Pesach. You shall keep this chukah, chukah Pesach, which is what Pesach was called a few pasukim earlier, in its time, 14th of Nisan, year after year. Very nice. And tefillin was just part of the mention, among other things, of ways to commemorate Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Okay, very good. A second passage is one that we all know, no need to read it, V'shamu B'nei Yisrael. The key phrase here is that Shabbat is considered B'ni U'ven B'nei Yisrael Olam. It's a sign between B'nei Yisrael and God. By the way, Shabbat is an exclusive, intimate, non-universal uh, experience. It is private between B'nei Yisrael and Hashem, and it is an ot, it's a sign. Now, if you go back, you'll see that the word ot was also marked green, highlight in the parsha of tefillin so tefillin is an oath shabbat is an oath uh and so we're going to put park that in the back the third passage is something we're going to get to get to at the very end of this i don't want to confuse things by bringing it in passage by yikra we'll look back at it later on so three and four go later on okay now midrash halacha um we've talked about midrash halacha numerous times just want to give a quick intro uh, both to the style, but also to the literature itself. Midrash Halacha is the exposition of halachic texts in the Torah using very rigorous, shall we say, using one of two very rigorous methodologies. Um, and Naftali, I know you're going to jump on this right away because of Herabiner uh, and David Tzvi Hoffman's work on it. Uh, he was really the, the, the pioneer on this, um, uh, which ends up with a halachic, almost always with a halachic result. So when you have a pasuk and then you use a particular methodology, either the methodology of the school of Rabbi Akiva or the methodology of the school of Rabbi Ishmael, we're going to see both here. 
uh, and you and examine a pasuk which is about a halacha, a pasuk about law, which ends up invariably with the result, which is halacha. That's what we call midrash halacha. And uh, we're all familiar with, for instance, Rabbi Yishmael's rule book for the methodology. Rabbi Yishmael, and he has 13 hermeneutic rules that are used. The school of Rabbi Akiva has other rules. And, but essentially, they're trying to do the same thing. How they address it is very differently and how the results are very different. Okay, here's the Mechilta, which is the Midrash Halacha and Shmot uh, of Rabbi Yishmael. On our on our piece, Rishamartata Chukahazot, source five, Zo Chukat Tfilin. In other words, this law that you're supposed to keep from year to year, as it were, Miyamim Yamima, is the law of Tfilin. Ata Omer Zu Chukat Tfilin, or Enu Ela Chukat Kol Hamitzvot. You say now. Remember, Midrash Halacha is often written and usually written in dialogue form, as if and you say this and. But it doesn't mean that there's two people talking. That's the style of writing. You say that it's the law of tefillin. Maybe it's the law of all mitzvot. I mean, keep all the mitzvot. Amarta Question is, what was the last thing mentioned? And if you look back here, what was the last thing mentioned before Pasuk Yod? Tefillin. And so therefore, keeping it from time to time is tefillin. Okay. Miyamim yamima. Lama nemar. Here we go. Why does the Torah have to say, keep this from year to year? But remember, the phrase in the Torah is miyamim yamima, and yamim means days, because it says this should be a sign. I would think that this sign should even be at night. And by the way, it makes sense it should be at night. After all, in the Parsha of Shema and Vayam Shamoa, Tfilin has a neighbor mitzvah called mezuzah, which, by the way, is very much a neighbor because the same pronominal suffix, ukshartam, tie them for a sign, and they shall be for frontlets between your eyes, is the same referent as tfilin as mezuzah, uchtavtam. Right? And we have the same parsha as mezuzah in our tfilin, plus we have two more in tfilin. And so, therefore, tfilin and mezuzah is very similar. Okay. Does mezuzah apply at night? Of course it does. Let's say that you had a house that you only used at night. You were never there during the day. You didn't live there during the day. You actually rented it for nights. Some non-Jewish person rented it for the days. You would still have to put a mezuzah up because mezuzah applies day and night. So I would think that tefillin apply at night just like day. Why not? Like mezuzah. Talmud Lamar, therefore the Torah says, some people actually think you should read it, Tilmud Lamar, interesting. Mi Yamim Yamima. And now what are they going to do with Mi Yamim Yamima? This is now Midrash Halacha. Again, it's an idiom that in Tanakh means year to year. But they're going to play with it in Midrashic style, which is, by Yamim Atanotein Velobalelot. So Yamim, meaning you only do this during the days and not at night. Davar Acher. There's another midrash. The Torah says this should be a sign. Tefillin should be a sign. I would think you need that sign seven days a week. Shabbat and Yom Tov. And it makes sense. We can use the same logic. 
Ho'ilu mezuzah mitzvah tasei, tefillin mitzvah tasei. Mezuzah is also mitzvah, just like tefillin, and parallel. Im lamatal mezuzah shemegit v'shabbat totu v'yabim tovim. Let's say you had a Shabbos home. I knew the people growing up who lived in some beautiful place out in the middle of nowhere and had a Shabbos apartment in, uh, near Beth Jacob. And they would come in Friday afternoon and Saturday night they would leave. Do they need a mezuzah? Of course they need a mezuzah. If they're renting that place, of course they do. Mezuzah applies on Shabbat. Therefore, I have every reason to think that tefillin applies like mezuzah on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Now, what's the play here? Yamim, days, is now implying, not nights. And miyamim is implying only some days and not all days. Which days are out? Yatsu Shabbatot v'yamim tovim. So watch what the Midrash Halacha in the school of Rabbi Ishmael has done. They've taken the phrase here at the end of this parasha, said this is referring to the antecedent, the immediate antecedent, and Miyamim Yamima knocks out Shabbat and nighttime, Shabbat and Yom Tov, and nighttime. You don't put on Tefillin. Now, Rabbi Yoshi Omer, and uh, they also say miyamim yamima yesh yamim shatan noten v'yeshmaimim she'en atan noten yatsu shavatot v'yamim tovim. Three different rishot getting us to the same place, which is no tefillin on Shabbat. Why no tefillin on Shabbat? Be- only because the Torah seemed to say that you put this on some days and not all days. And so the first thing that we do is to exclude Shabbat and Yom Tov. How do we get there? So Rabbi Yitzchak. Um, also, a, a, an Amor in Eretz Yisrael. I'm not sure how he gets into this midrash. Omer ho'il b'Shabbat kriya ot utfilin kriyin ot. Remember, we saw that Shabbat is an ot. Shamru b'nei Yisrael oti b'nei b'nei Yisrael. So, since Shabbat is called an ot and tfilin is called an ot, lo yitain ot betoch ot. You don't have to put a sign on a sign. In other words, the idea is that the day of Shabbat is a sign of the breed between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, you don't need to have tefillin, which is a sign of that breed, on Shabbat. Or yitain ot betoch ot. Maybe you should. Maybe a double sign is good. Amarta tidacheh Shabbat shikriya ot uvrit litfilin shenan kriyin ela ot bilvad. And so the, the answer is that Shabbat will trump Tfilin, can I say that now? Yeah. Uh, will uh, Trump Shabbat and Tfilin be, uh, will Trump Tfilin because Shabbat is not only an oath, it's also a brit. Shabbat is briti, brit ben even ben Israel, as opposed to Tfilin, which is only an oath. Shabbat kriya oath, Tfilin kriya oath, or you ten oath betoch oath, or you ten oath betoch oath, and right, etc., etc. All right? And then the answer here is that Shabbat is more severe because of karet and Tfilin not. So, the idea is that if tefillin comes into conflict with Shabbat, tefillin takes a back seat because Shabbat supersedes it, either because it's a brit or because of the punishment involved with Chilul Shabbat. Okay, now, a little piece of info here about Midrash Halacha. We just read a 
relatively large paragraph of Midrash Halacha from the Midrash Halacha of Rabbi Yishmael, the school of Rabbi Yishmael. Evidently, and this is stuff that's really only coming to light in our generation, started about 100 plus years ago with Rabbi David Hoffman, the, there were two sets of Midrash Halacha on every Halachic Chumash, on all four, on Shmot Vayikrav and Midbar Dvarim. Uh, but the only one that we have two nearly full sets for is Shmot. That's the Mechilta of Rabbi Ishmael. And Mechilta of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Who was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's Rabbi? Rabbi Akiva. So this, this is the school of Rabbi Akiva. And notice you're going to hear different names in here. Mishamartata Chuka, Rabbi Eliezer Omer Zot Chuka Tapesach. This Pasuk is talking about Korban Pesach. Keep the Pesach year to year, as not new with Tfilin. Rabbi Akiva Omer Zuchukat Tfilin. Rabbi Akiva disagrees and says, no, it's Tfilin. And then you have the same argument, but it goes a little bit differently. I might think that Tfilin applies at night like day, and they compare it to Mezuzah. And then it says, Miyamim says day and not night. And then they do the same thing with Shabbat, same thing from Mezuzah. But it uses a different uh, different framework from Mizuzad. And then it says, Miyamim, Loko Yamim. Okay, and now, um, uh, and the final statement is uh, that, uh, that, again, I would think that, sh- that Tfilin applies on Shabbat. The answer is that Tfilin is an ot as opposed to Shabbat and Yamim Tovim, which is also an ot, and I don't need it. So here, in a not uncommon result, both Mechilta end up with the same result, which is, by the way, the result that we all sort of knew, which is that Tzfilin doesn't apply during the de- at night or on Shabbat. But they come to it through slightly different approaches. Okay, I want to put that on the table that there is a machloket brewing, because if you look at the top line here, you'll see a machloket between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi, and Rabbi Eliezer as to whether or not this pasuk is talking about Tzfilin at all. And if this pasuk is not talking about Tzfilin, I got no reason not to wear tefillin on Shabbat or at night. Now, what difference does that make to us? Because let's take a look at our sugya, our Mishnah here, uh, which is source seven. Hamotzei tefillin. You're walking down the street. You are walking in Rishut HaRabim, and you find tefillin on the ground. What? do you do? It's Shabbat, but it's tefillin. What do you do? So you have several choices. What are your choices? So one choice, obviously, is to walk away. You can't carry them. Shabbat. One choice is to pick them up and carry them. They're tefillin. Another choice is to have to stand there all day and watch them. Another choice is perhaps to find a non-Jew and have him carry it. There's a lot of different choices of how to respond to this kind of conflict of realities. Meaning, the reality is Shabbat, on the other hand, is tefillin on the ground. So the Mishnah says, Hamotzei tefillin machisan zug zug. You know what you do? Shabbat. You put on one pair of tefillin, and you walk in the house, take them off, go back outside, put another pair, walk in the house until you brought them all in. So the notion here is that you haven't found a pair of tefillin, you found a whole mess of tefillin. And so you put on a shaliyad and shalrosh and walk in, take them off, 
go outside, do the same thing again until you brought them all in. By the way, what if they were all shalyads? So you'd put on a shalyad, walk in, put on another shalyad like that. Okay, same thing with shorosh. In the Mishnah, Ramagamliel says, no, you could put two on at a time. Have you ever seen anybody wearing two shalyads? Okay. So if you go in our community, if you go to, um, there's one of the Persian shoals here. Uh, there is a fellow, I don't know, this is years ago I saw, there's a fellow who puts on Rabbeinu Thomas Tefillin, which Bismano will, we'll, when we get to it, we'll talk about that. And uh, he wears Rashi and Rabbeinu Thomas Tefillin at the same time. So he's got very small boxes, and he wears them one above the, above the other on his arm. And on his head, there's room for two. He's got small batim all around. Right? So when Gamliel says you put on two at a time, this is only true if these tefillin are already used tefillin, not they have, they've been broken in, shall we say. If they are new tefillin, you don't have any responsibility to bring them in. Migamara discusses why. Okay? That's the, this is the part that I want to look at. Now, the Tosefta is very similar. And it has Rabbi Yehuda Omer Shtayim Shtayim. And then he adds something as follows. Echad ha'ish ve'echad ha'isha. Which means if your wife is outside and she's walking on Shabbat and she sees a few pair of tefillin, she can put on two pair at a time, walk them in the house, take them off, go back outside, put on another two, go in, etc. Echad chanashot ve'echad yishanot. Right? And in the Tanakhama's version, in Dosef, that doesn't matter whether they are brand new tefillin or not. That seems to be the opinion of the Mishnah. Okay, that's our Mishnah. So I want you to get the picture here of the setting. It's Shabbat. Somebody's, you're walking down the street. You see a pair of tefillin in the street, two pairs of tefillin, a bunch of pairs of tefillin in the street. You put them on like regular tefillin, just like you were starting to daven. You walk into your house, take them off, go back outside, put on another two pairs, walk into the house, etc. Okay? Now, there's a machloket between Tanakama and Rabbi Gamliel in the Mishnah about whether you put on one pair or whether you put on two pairs. What's that machloket about? Let's take a look. Source 9. And this is where everything we're talking about starts to come together. We've, we've put pieces out there. Now it's going to come together. All right. And likely what we will be able to accomplish is to study this sugya, which is a relatively long sugya. And then we will pick up by doing the, the last couple pieces, which are here. Um, I was a Rishalmi. I want to want to sneak in before the end of Shir today, uh, if possible. Okay. Y'all with me here? Mike is We're going to learn a daf gemara today. Daf yomi. Micah Sauber, what is it that Rabbi Gamliel thinks that makes him oppose and say you bring in two at a time? So if Rabbi Gamliel holds that tefillin actually are to be worn on Shabbat, then if tefillin are really supposed to be worn on Shabbat, you can't wear more than one. Why? Because if tefillin are really supposed to be worn on Shabbat, what are you doing by putting them on? You're actually putting on tefillin, and therefore taking more than that is considered caring, because more than one is unnecessary. We're not going to get into the Rabbeinu Tam problem, which they didn't have. The Ikas of our Shabbat loves man tefillin hu, but if on the other hand you think that Shabbat is not a time when you're obligated in tefillin, 
Umishum hatsala, and now why are you putting them on? You're putting them on because you're allowed to save them, because it's Kitvea Kodesh. It's a sanctified thing. You don't want it on the ground, you don't want it outside, you want it degraded. You're allowed to save it, just like saving a safer Torah from a fire. Remember those sugyot in the 16th parak of Shabbat. So, derach mabusharulei Rabbanan. After all, what did the Rabbanan allow you to do? Forget about Sefer Torah. What did the Rabbanan allow you to do with clothing if there's a fire? Do you remember? Lovesh kolmashiacholabosh. You put on everything you can. One raincoat on top of another raincoat on top of another raincoat with a fur coat and everything else. In the summer, take it outside, drop it there, go back inside, put as many things on as you can. That's if it's 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 a if you're not allowed to carry, but there's a fire and you want to save things, and of course there's no danger to life. All the uh, caveats. So if if the tefillin here is something that's foreign to Shabbat, then the, all you're doing is putting on a, an accessory. So you can put on a lot of accessories. Why two? Why does Rabbi else say only two? I feel the So that's the question, Magamliel. Why do, does he only allow two? Not he doesn't limit it to one, but he doesn't say three or four. So a, dra- a possibility number one. He must hold that Shabbat is not for tefillin, meaning tefillin does not belong to Shabbat, and this is now external to Shabbat. And, wait a second. Um, what is it that the rabbis allowed you to do when saving? They simply allowed you to wear it as you normally do in its normal place. And 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 how many tefillin can you fit on that part of your arm? And how many tefillin can you fit on that part of your head? So then they suggest, they suggest for a second that maybe you shouldn't be able to do more than one. And now we get a reality check, which is, there's enough room on the head to put on two pairs of tefillin, right? And like I, like I mentioned about the fellow that I saw at the show, we've all seen it in Stieblach, um, you know, different uh, in different groups that wear both pairs of tefillin and wear them simultaneously. All right, so now, Roman Gamliel says you can wear two, and the way that we're positing it right now is because he says, Shabbat is man tefillin. However, on, uh, you're allowed to, um, sorry, Shabbat is lavzman tefillin, but all they permitted you to do was to wear things in the normal way. You can put a raincoat on top of a raincoat, but you can't put a raincoat around your waist, right? You can put another shirt on top of another shirt, but you can't put the shirt on your feet. So you put your fill on, you can put more, but you can only put them in the place of fill And so he said, so then it should be one. The answer is the place of fill can hold two. So hanecha derosh diyad ma'ika lememar. So that's fine for Shalrosh. What about Shalyad? After remember that they wore tefillin all day. The idea of putting on tefillin in the morning and davening, and then quickly, they get to well, see on yet quickly, taking them off and not seeing them again until the next morning was absolutely foreign to them. You wore tefillin all day. So Ravuna says, you know what? Sometimes a guy is coming home from the field. At the end of the day, he's got his pekala of whatever he's harvested on his head, and the tefillin are going to get hurt, or they're hurting him, or they're in the way, and he takes them off his head, and he puts it on his arm. 
which means that the arm theoretically is a place for two tefillim. Wait, Rav Huna only said that, that you're allowed to do it in order to keep tefillin from being degraded. In other words, tefillin would be degraded if you had them on your head and then you had a basket on top of them. So in order to save yourself, save the tefillin from being degraded, um, uh, we allow you to uh, to put on the arm. But Ra'uimi Amar, that doesn't mean he says that the hand really is a place for two tefillin. And he gets us to where I had already gotten us, I jumped ahead, which is just like the head has room for two tefillin, so the arm has room for two tefillin. All right. So now, at, where, where have we gotten to? Tanakama says you can put on one pair of tefillin at a time, and Rogamliel says you could put on two. So where's the disagreement? Why did they, they disagree about one versus two? So maybe they disagree about that exact statement, whether or not you could put on two pairs of tefillin at one time. The Tanakama late later of Shwar of Yitzchak and Rogamli later of Shwar of Yitzchak. Right? They would say Tanakama, who only allows you to put on one pair, says there's no room legitimately for two pairs at the same time. So if you put on two pairs, one of them is carrying. And Rashur Gamliel says, no, you can put on two pairs at a time. Lo, we don't like that. Everybody accepts the idea that the hand is, there's room enough on the arm, room enough on the head for two tefillin, respectively. And here's the issue. They disagree about whether Shabbat is man tefillin. Now, what does that mean, Shabbat is man tefillin? That means that the commandment of tefillin is seven days a week, not six. And therefore, when you see tefillin and you put them on, you are putting something on which you are commanded to put on today and which is appropriate for today. Tanakama says Shabbat is man tefillin. Therefore, you put on one pair of tefillin and carry it in the house. Rabbi Gamaliel is going to say it's not Zman feeling. so what is it? I'm wearing something, so I can wear as much as can fit on that spot, too. That, that fits well. By the way, you understand how, how, how unusual this is. We are now suggesting that Tanakama, the first Tan in the Mishnah's position is Shabbat Zman feeling, which of course raises a very big question. Because if Shabbat Zman feeling, what should this guy be wearing when he's out in the street on his way home and sees the tefillin. He should be wearing tefillin. In which case, our question comes back to itself. He's already wearing tefillin because Shabbat Zman Tefillin, according to him. Or you're going to say, no, Shabbat Zman Tefillin doesn't mean that people wear tefillin on Shabbat. It just means that it's not divorced from Shabbat. But this is, again, a very difficult position. All right. So we say, we're going to take another position. The Kule Alma Shabbat Zman Tfilin Hu. Now, notice what we've gotten to. We're now going to propose that everybody agrees that Shabbat is Zman Tfilin. All right, here we go. Mitzvot Tzrichot Kavana is a huge, huge topic in Shas. It's a huge discussion in the 10th Perak of Psachim and in Rosh Hashanah and in Brachot and all sorts of places, which is. If I fulfill a mitzvah and I don't have active intention when doing it to fulfill a mitzvah, did I fulfill a mitzvah? That's the question. Mitzvot tzrichot kavanah. 
So we say maybe here what's going on is Shabbat is man's feeling. We are, sorry for the pun, we are maniach, we are assuming that nobody, that this guy doesn't have tefillin on. However, um, since it is zman tefillin, here's the machloka. Tanakama savar latzeit ba'i kavana. In order to fulfill the, to the, to, to fulfill the mitzvah, you need intent. Magamliel savar lo ba'i kavana. Magamliel says you don't need kavana. And therefore, what's my intent in putting this on? I'm not putting it on in order to do the mitzvah. I'm putting it on in order to save it. And so therefore, Tanakam would say, I need intent in order to fulfill the mitzvah. And therefore, I can put on one. But Magamliel says, I don't need intent, which means that, that by putting it on, um, I'm already fulfilling the mitzvah. I can put on two. But that, of course, doesn't really answer the question. So then we take a different approach. Everybody agrees you don't need kavanah to fulfill the mitzvah, but we have now a different problem, which is Now, the Torah prohibits us from adding or subtracting from the mitzvot. In two places, in Dalad and Dvarim Yudgimel. The Torah forbids us from adding or subtracting. What is that prohibition? So the way that we halachically understand it, there's a phenomenal Ramban in Dvarim Dalit about this, um, that it's really two different prohibitions. One prohibition is to make up a new mitzvah, like the new holiday that your Avam ben Nevat made up in the eighth month. That's the example that Ramban gives, and that was the big challenge to creating poor. How can you add a new holiday? Loto safe. But the second thing, which is far more ubiquitous in the halachic discussion, is the problem of adding a component to a pre-existent mitzvah. And so the example that Rashi gives in his commentary on the Torah is, for instance, five parshiot in tefillin, or three parshiot in tefillin, or on Sukkot, shaking a lulav, etrog, hadas, arava, and banana branch. Five minim. Right? In other words, taking the numeric framework of a mitzvah and enhancing it or diminishing from it, three tzitzit or five tzitzit. Three corners of the garment, five corners of the garment is baltosi for baltigra. So he says, maybe the machlokan is as follows. Because think about it, two pairs of tzfilin is baltosi. Vahacha la'avor mishum baltosi kain palgi. Tanakama sabra la'avor mishum baltosi flobai kavana. Tanakama says, you violate lotosif even if you don't have an intention. You just put it on to get it out of the street. But in fact, you're wearing two pairs of tefillin. Which, by the way, now means this has nothing to do with Shabbat. If it was during the week, you'd pick it up and carry it in. But if for some reason you couldn't pick it up and carry it in, the only way to do it was to put it on, you'd still have to put on one at a time. Because by putting on two, you're violating lotosif. And the fact that you were intending something much more noble doesn't help. You don't need intent to violate Baal Tosif. Let me give you an example. Uh, and this happened, by the way, this year in spades. I don't remember what the weather was like back east uh, on uh, the day after Shemini Atzeret, the second day of Shemini Atzeret. But in L.A. it was very hot. And a lot of people, it was, it was, it was actually, sorry, it was, it was pleasant after a very hot Sukkot. It was a pleasant day. And a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons, wanted to sit outside. Because 
they couldn't have people inside. They wanted to visit with people. And they wanted to sit outside, but they wanted to sit in their sukkah. And sitting in your sukkah on the ninth day is baltosif, right? Because you're adding on to sukkot. The Gomorrah says that in Eretz Israel, if you sit in the sukkah on the eighth day, you get makot, right, for baltosif. In fact, getting makot for that would be very difficult to, to actually have, but, but it's a violation. Lotosif, the sukkot is seven days, not eight days, right? So question, but on the other hand, I'm not sitting out here in order to extend the holiday. I'm sitting out here in order to enjoy the weather and be able to visit with people where they can come and sit with me. I can't come to my house anymore. You know, God willing, that'll change soon. But in the meantime, you can't sit inside with people. I want to visit with people, right? So the question is as follows. Tanakama lavor mishum baltosif lo kavana. Tanakama says you violate lotosif even if you don't intend it. Which means if you put on two pairs of tefillin, anytime you violated baltosif. Megamiel says, no, you need intent. Since your intent here is to save the tefillin, you didn't violate it, you could put on two. Do you notice, by the way, I'm going to just take a minute to, to point out, do you notice how many twists and turns this sugi is taking? How many Ibayit Amas we have? How many different times the Gemara is saying, well, he, that's a possible answer, but you know what? Maybe everybody agrees to that point, and maybe the disagreement is about this. We have done switchbacks already five, six times. And we're not done. The Baitema, and now there's a complex Ibaitema. If every if everybody agrees, or if you agree that Shabbat is Mantfilin, the You don't need intent to violate Baltosif, nor to be Yotse. If Shabbat is Mantfilin, you put on Tfilin, you did the mitzvah, you put on two, you violated Baltosif. It gets even more complex. Violating Baltosif when it's not in its right time. Okay, is the is the machloket. Tanakama Savar Lobai Kavana. He said you violate Baltosif even if you put on tefillin on a day when you're not obligated to put on tefillin. In other words, if you sit in the sukkah on Shmini Atzeret, on Torah, let's say, according to Gamliel, you didn't violate Baltosif and then you said, I'm doing this to fulfill the mitzvah. I think the mitzvah should be longer. God had it wrong. And uh, and Tanakama would say, no, if you're sitting out there because of the fresh air or because you, you, know, you like the decorations, you didn't violate it. Right? That, that, that's the machloket. Okay, and now all of that being said, the sugya then turns around and asks the question, Uman shamat le shabbat zman tefillin. Who is the authority who thinks shabbat is zman tefillin? Which, of course, colors our whole sugya. Because remember, we danced around this problem throughout the sugya of why it is that you can put on one pair or you can even put on two pairs, but you can't put more than that in order to take the tefillin into the house. And we kept playing with the notion of Shabbat Zman Tfilin. So after all that dust settles, we kept referring to, there's an authority that says Shabbat Zman Tfilin. And now I want to say, who is that authority? And the answer is, it's Rabbi Akiva. You can't do better than that. Rabbi Akiva. Titania. Vishamarta, Tachuka, Zot, Moadam, Yamim, Yamim. Does this look familiar? Yamim, Velo, Lelot, Mi, Yamim, Velo, Ko, Yamim, Prat, Shabbatot, Yamim, Tovim. Divrei Rabbi Yossi HaGlili. So we didn't hear this in the Midrash Halacha, but Rabbi Yossi HaGlili 
is the author of the opinion that that pasuk is talking about tefillin. And therefore, tefillin is not at night, and tefillin is not on Shabbat. Rabbi Akiva Omer lo nemar chukazo inyan Pesach bilvad. And that we saw right here. Uh, sorry. That we saw here is Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. And here it's represented Dafka as Rabbi Akiva's opinion in the Gemara, that Rabbi Akiva said that Chukah is about Pesach and that Pasuk is not about Tfilin, and Shabbat and Laila are Zman Tfilin. Whoa, time out! V'savar Rabbi Akiva Shabbat Zman Tfilin hu? V'atanya Rabbi Akiva Omer, Yachol Yaniach Adam Tfilin v'Shabbatot v'Yamim Tovim. Wait a second. Rabbi Akiva himself said you don't put on Tfilin on Shabbat. Why? Because it says, You put on tefillin on a day when you need a sign of your relationship with God. As opposed to Shabbat, which is a sign. So, so Rabbi Akiva agrees you don't put on tefillin on Shabbat. He just gets it from a different pasuk. So who's the authority that we keep referring to? The manda amar, Shabbat zman tefillin. Who is that? It's the following authority. Hane or balayla, let's say you're up at night. You wake up at night. You could not put on tefillin. You, if you have tefillin on, you could take them off. But if you want to, you could put them on. You wake up at midnight, you can't sleep. You put on tefillin, you're tefillin. Somebody we've never heard of otherwise. You don't put on tefillin at night. So now, according to Tanakama, Laila is Mantfilin. You can't sleep in them, but if you wake up at midnight, you're going to sit and learn for an hour or check the futures or whatever, put on Tfilin. Why not? So, me, the Laila, the Tanakama is Mantfilin, Shabbat Nami is Mantfilin. Now, watch the equation they do. Since, according to the first opinion here, nighttime is fit for Tfilin, Shabbat must also be fit for Tfilin, according to him. And now we found our mystery authority. Evidently, it's Rabbi Natan. No. We're going to make a split. Because up until now, consistently we've said Shabbat and Laila go together. Either Tfilin are 24-7 or they're 12-6. Right? We don't have any 24-6 and we don't have any 12-7. Either it's Shabbat and Laila out, or Shabbat and Laila in, and they go together. Okay, and we're going to suggest not. Dilma le Laila zman tefillin, Shabbat loves zman tefillin hu. Wait, maybe Rabbi Natan holds that it's 24-6, day or night, but not Shabbat. How do we know that? Because we just saw, Rabbi Kiva says, nighttime is fit for tefillin, but not Shabbat. So we still haven't found a Tana who says Shabbat is the time for Tefillin. Elohai Tana who did Tanya. You ready for this? this? Is the crusher? Michal Bat Kushi. So Michal Bat Kushi is referring to Michal Bat Shaul. Michal Bat Shaul, Shaul's second daughter, the one who married David, let him out the window. Haita Manachat Tefillin. She used to put on Tefillin. Velomi Chuba Chachamim. And the Chacham didn't oppose her. But important to note that along with that statement is a report that Yonah Hanavi's wife, Haita Olala Regel, she would make Aliyah Regel. And by the way, Aliyah Regel, going up to Shalim, the Torah commands the males. Now the truth is that everybody has to go because 
you're supposed to elate your family. So you have to all go together. But the direct mitzvah is to the males. And the Chacham didn't challenge him. So now, within this story about Michal putting on tefillin, they're taking the position that they must have held that women are actually obligated in tefillin. How could they be obligated in tefillin? It must be not a time-bound mitzvah. How could it not be a not time-bound mitzvah? Because it applies at night and applies on Shabbat. It applies 24-7. And therefore, Michal put on tefillin. Now, by the way, this is a very strange statement because it would mean that not lo chachamim, but it would mean that, and everybody else should be doing that too. Right? And nobody takes it that far. So we're, we're not out of the woods on this. The Dilma, and I, I, again, this is a great example of a twist and turn sugya. The Dilma, again, perhaps, Savarla Karabiyosi. Now, who's Rabiyosi? So now I told you I have to go back to the beginning. On page one, in source three, we have the following passage from Vayikra. When the Torah introduces Korbanot, if you see in the first yellow highlight, it's Daber el Bnei Yisrael, right? And then when you're introducing the Korban, when it says Vesamach Yado, a person has to put his hands on the Korban. The Sifrat, Midrash Halacha, this is the Midrash Halacha from the school of Rabbi Akiva. Bnei Yisrael Somchin, ain't Benot Yisrael Somchot. Only men do smicha, not women. So a woman brings a korban, she doesn't do smicha on the korban. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon, Omrim, Nashim, Somchot, Rashut. Women are can if they want to. Amar Rabbi Yosef, Amar Li Abba Lazar, Hayalanu Egel Zivchesh Shlomim Otsenu Lazrat Hanashin. We had in our family, we once brought a calf as a Shlomim, and we brought it out to the women's quarter, the Samchua Lav Hanashin, and all the women in our family put did smicha before we did shechita. Wait, since when can you do smicha there? Where do you do smicha? You do smicha right there where you're doing shechita. That means it has to be in the Ezrat Yikoanim. It has to be in the proper Azar, not in the women's section, which is down the stairs and outside. In other words, we, we allowed them to take the calf, take it over there, allow them to do smicha on it to make them feel good, give them a chance to feel involved in the mitzvah. But it wasn't, it wasn't really the obligatory smicha. Okay, so keep that in mind as we look at this here. So Vidilma Savala Krabiosi, maybe this whole story with Shaul's daughter was because the Chacham held like Krabiosi, which was Nashim Somchot Rashut. In other words, we allow women to do a mitzvah, they're not obligated in, if it makes them feel good. Why not? Let them feel connected. Doesn't mean they're obligated, which means tefillin could still be time-bound, and women could still be exempt. And Michal put on tefillin, that's a very nice thing. We're not going to stop her. Wait a second. Because what's the parallel story? Yonah's wife made Aliyah Regal. There's no question in the world she's not chayav. The Torah says, all your males, three times. There's no way in the world that you could say a woman is independently chayav. Which means, by the way, we still have not found an authority who says Shabbat is man tefillin. 
Now, why is this a problem? Because our earlier discussion all revolved around that. So maybe Rabbi Gamliel and Tanakama disagree about whether Shabbat's Mantfilin, maybe everybody agrees Shabbat's Mantfilin, and the Machloket is about Kavanah, all sorts of other twists and turns. And we're now looking, so who is this authority who says Shabbat's Mantfilin, who would better be a big name? So, so dinner, you may get it in the office. Um, and so, um, that's what we're still trying to find. Al-Hai Tana, the following brighter. Hamotzeitfilin machisan zug zug. This is our Tosafter, remember we saw it at the beginning? Echad ha'ish, ve'echad ha'isha. A woman can also put on tefillin in the in the street to wear it and bring it in the house. Echad chadashot, echad yishanot, etc., etc. An lankan lopligi el chadashot yishanot. The only machloket is about brand new tefillin that haven't been used. Bishan lopligi. Nobody disagrees that a woman could do this also. Shma mina mitzvata say shalazman gramahu. It must be that this is a mitzvata say that women are also chayivin, which is why they're allowed to put on the tefillin and wear it on Shabbat to bring the tefillin into the house. You're not allowed to carry it, but you don't want to leave it out there to be degraded. They're allowed to do it. It must be that uh, it's a mitzvah that's not time-bound. Not time-bound at all. Okay? We're almost out. Let's go back to Rabiosi. Because maybe this opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who said, Rabbi Yehuda or Mayor, who say that women can put on tefillin on the street, maybe that's just we allow women to do mitzvot that they'd like to do. That doesn't mean they're Lo salkadaitach, and that we reject. The lo Reb Meir savalak Reb Yosi, the Reb Yehuda savalak Reb Yosi. Neither Reb Meir nor Reb Yehuda, the authorities in Artosefta, agree with Reb Yosi about allowing women to do smicha. Lo Reb Meir savalak Reb Yosi, nan in makvina tatinokot midit koa hanashim meakvin. It's talmud etin Reb Meir. The Mishnah says on Rosh Hashanah, we don't keep, if little kids want to play with a shofar on Shabbat, we don't stop them. The implication is, but if women who are adults want to, we do stop them. Which means that we don't allow people to engage in a mitzvah that they're not obligated in when there's some sort of a violation that may be involved. And that's Rameir. That was what we saw. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, Omrim, Nashim, Somchot, Rishut. They say the women can do smicha. But what was the first opinion? Women don't do smicha. Ustam Sifra, Rani, Rabbi Yudah. The default opinion in a Torah Kohanim is Rabbi Yudah. In other words, what the Gemara says here is, we know that Rabbi Yudah and Rameir hold the position that we do not have women do mitzvot that they're not otherwise obligated in when there's a possible violation involved. Doing smicha is a possible obligate, uh, a violation of me'ilah. <clears throat> or or of or, or, or Um Putting on the tefillin and carrying it on Shabbat could be a possible violation of carrying. And so therefore, it doesn't mean that they can't do a mitzvah when there's just a clean road ahead of them, but when there is a mitzvah that involves a possible a violation, we don't allow it if you're not chayav. To anybody who's not chayav. And since that's the position, and Rebutum and Rameer both agree a woman could put on tefillin, in order to carry them into the house, they must hold women are obligated in tefillin. Women are obligated in tefillin, that must mean that tefillin are not time-bound. Not time-bound must mean that Shabbat Zaman tefillin. And by the way, where this sugya ends up is somewhere absolutely phenomenal. Rabbi Yudah and Rameir are not small names. 
And now we're saying that Rabbi Yuna and Rabbi Meir, both of them, prized students of Rabbi Akiva, hold that Shabbat is Zman Tfilin, and that women are Chayavot and Tfilin. Right? That's the sugyal that we see. Um, I'm going to steal um, down below, and then we'll, we'll, we're, next week we're going to start by looking at the sugya in Menachot, which will be a good summary of what we did, and we're going to take it further. Uh, but I want to show you this passage from the Yerushalmi, because it's a very it's a kind of neat way to close things off. Um, to bring your attention to something that's not explicit here, but it's elsewhere in the Yerushalmi, in Brachot, um, and it's mentioned in the Bavli in Brachot, um, when you take your tefillin off, what do you say? You're right. You say nothing. <laughs> you're, all, you're all correct. There's nothing to say. In Eretz Yisrael, when they would take their tefillin off at the end of the day, I mean the literal end of the day, I don't mean that tired British aphorism, um, they would say, Baruch chukav. Hashem commanded us to keep his laws. Because remember, Shemartata Chukazot is the source for saying that you do not wear tefillin at night. So when we take our tefillin off because it's getting dark, then you say that brachalish more chukav. Okay. Um, you see here our Mishnah. Um, and now the Gemara. I was going to read this through. Hamotzei tefillin machisan zug zug derech malbush. Achat b'roshov, achat b'zro'o. All right, so if you find tefillin and Shabbat, you bring them in one pair at a time as a garment. One on your head, one on your arm. Two on your head, two on your arm. If somebody puts on tefillin at night, over ba'ase, they violated a mitzvah ta'ase. Why? Tefillin is day and not night, and it's a chukah. Watch this story. Rabbi Avahu was teaching. Rabbi Avahu was the grand rabbi of Caesarea. He was sitting and teaching at night in Tefillin Aloy. Right? His tefillin was on him. And he just taught this. The answer is, The answer is that he was holding them, but he wasn't wearing them as Tefillin. So, some people think that Rabbi Avahu said was, you can't put them on at night, but if they're on, you can keep them on. And that's what he was doing. Some people think that the mitzvah feeling is until, does that sound familiar? From Hanukkah? Until the last person leaves the marketplace. Which we've seen already. Now, this is a phenomenal statement. It's just so great. And that's why I made it bold. Wait, didn't it already say which is only some days and not other days? And now you've got Ot saying you only wear tefillin on days that need an Ot. In other words, you've got two psukim cutting tefillin out of Shabbat. So this statement, it, 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 it's worth memorizing. So you should pay attention to Rabbi Yochanan's famous teaching. Anything which is not really clear, we support it from multiple sources. It's a wild statement. Rabbi Yochanan saying that if we have a prohibition or a mitzvah, 
whose source is not clear, what we do is we pile on the sources. So saying that Shabbat, Islam's month, feeling is not so explicit, so therefore we have Miyamim, and we have Laot, and we have other sources that will tell us not to put on feeling on Shabbat. Now, Nashim Minayim. Now, we didn't deal with this in the, in the Bavli, in our section. How do we know that women don't have to, don't have to put on tefillin? You would think it's mitzvah tasei shazman grama. Very simple. It's a time-bound mitzvah. This is dealt with in Kiddushin in the Bible. So the mitzvah of teaching your children the way that, with all of the particular guidelines of the way we teach. I, mean, I learned Gemara with my daughter on a daily basis just about. But as far as the regular guidelines of how you teach, it's b'neichem v'lo b'noteichem. And now, since the mitzvah of Talmud Torah in two places is attached right next to the mitzvah of Tfilin, therefore, if you're chayav in Torah, you're chayav in Tfilin. Now, watch this is a great comeback to the story. Right? This is our story. Here she's called Bat Shaul. Would put on Tfilin. And Yonah's wife would make Aliyah the regal. The Chachamim didn't challenge them. By the way, in the Bavli, that was the end of that report. And we said, why didn't they challenge them? Maybe it was because they were Chayav. Maybe it was because Rabbi Yossi. And we allowed them to do something to make them feel good. She actually got taken captive. And by the way, the Chacham did show her out for doing that. So it's a very different report. So what in the Beit Midrash, what they wanted to say was Tanakama's position is not very clear, but Megamaliel's position of putting two in at a time is quite clear, and that's how the sugya ends up in the Yushalmi. What we're going to look at next week is we're going to look at this little passage from Menachot, which brings a lot of this together. And actually, I'll take your request, because if you want to um, look at this issue from perspective of the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch and see how it's developed, uh, we could do that, or if you want to do something about Shvut Mikdash, we could do that. Send me an email, let me know. All right, let me just, uh, and.